0: Have you ever given in the temptation to press this button, touch something labeled, do not touch, or blow into a mysterious whistle with an ominous warning written on it?
1: No. It, in, in, uh, whether it was like a haunted situation or, you know, an alarm situation, absolutely not. I've seen too many <laughs> horror movies and I'm too worried about, you know, drawing that kind of, you know, drawing attention, getting arrested.
2: <laughs> yeah, very much the same. Uh, Raise too hard on horror movies, ghosts in jail kind of the the
0: the mood killers in that sense so that's probably the correct answer no temptation to do it though not even like what if
2: i think i gotta say no you guys i'm I'm a very boring person (laughs) rarely (laughs) ever for
1: for even a second
2: i'm like genuinely afraid of most stores that say exit because i'm positive that i'm gonna set off a fire alarm like i (laughs) i just avoid do you trust push no, never, <laughs> no. <laughs>
1: Always bracing for the door to come both ways. Right, right. Yep. <laughs> I I just relate so much to the the protagonist of Whistle and I'll Come to You, except for the fact, except for like the central event, except for the fact that he like invites <laughs> the spirit. I would never in my life do what he does. You know, I I I, I very much relate to the bumbling around and the you know dorkiness.
0: But uh, he, he makes a few the questionable decisions. What, what
1: he does, I mean, not not that, yeah, not to spoil the, the the plot here.
2: But <laughs> we'll get
0: yeah, into I it. Yeah, I
1: would first. be I would be very
2: excited about finding the whistle, but I would not blow the whistle. Oh, I'd put it back. <laughs> I would put it back. <laughs>
1: <laughs> be like, look at the sick whistle, and then back it goes. <laughs> Even at its horror, like, you know, this, this is pretty early horror and, and still, you know, it relies on stuff that I, I just can never imagine doing. You know, obviously there's so many cliches, a, a cliched examples of, you know, why didn't they just leave the house, you know, et cetera, et cetera, uh, to the point that it's been parodied to death. Uh, and, you know, here, even here in like, you know, 1890 or, or 1908 or whenever these were written, uh, I, I probably should look that up um it, it relies on some like professor or some you know other you know academic or some priest or somebody doing something completely asinine like reading a cursed book or you know blowing a cursed whistle or looking for cursed gold mm-hmm.
2: while leading the most leisurely lifestyle possible just <laughs> hanging out having great meals by the seaside reading <laughs> cursed books <laughs> and that's classic too. Can't yeah, not being, a skeptic and like... being like yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> that it's that, classic too it's a classic type of character obviously if it existed even then a guy yeah. who's like well you know obviously it's not gonna happen obviously you know the supernatural doesn't exist and if it did obviously it's gonna happen to me obviously it's not gonna happen to me <laughs>
0: Welcome back once again to Split Picks. We are back for the first time since October Horror, but we have not quite shaken the horror out of the show yet. We're being haunted by the Christmas spirit today. Uh, We're going to be looking at some BBC Christmas ghost stories today. I'm really excited about this one because I had never heard of these before the two of you started talking about it. So these have been a blast to watch. I'm being joined today by... As almost always. Bennett Glace. Bennett, how you doing?
1: Yeah, do you feel that it's a it's a spooky, uh, a spooky chill in the air. An especially chilly, I, spooky chill I in do, the air. I'm doing good, Craig.
0: Good. Glad to hear it. We are also being joined by Zach Fleming. You may know Zack from October Horror because Split Tooth had a great interview with Zack about his new short film, Mickey Dog Face. If you haven't had a chance to watch it yet, just put us on pause. Go watch it. It's what, like 17 minutes? It's a blast. You'll you'll love it. (laughs) Uh, He produced the short film In the Flesh and Dark Moon, and in the commercial world, he has produced works for some... uh, some brands, but Zach, I hear you may have had a Christmas uh, semi run in with the big dog Hallmark. Would you like to uh, tell us a bit about what happened there?
2: so uh this was a spot for zola the the wedding website and the spot was basically three couples at the altar saying their vows intercut but the vows are just zola website things like just selling points for the company basically and one of the three couples in the spot happened to be two women uh and it aired on hallmark and i guess this uh this group called one million moms uh got really upset about it and emailed and just like you know posted this whole you know, kerfuffle about it, uh to the point where the CEO of Hallmark pulled the spot off of the air, which caused even more people to get mad at Hallmark than were mad at them in the first place. um And this was in like 2019, so like I, I looked up the article about this to refresh myself because I was like, "What even happened again?" <laughs> uh And it's great because at the bottom of the article, it's like uh ellen degeneres mentioned, is mentioned as one of the celebrities who got mad at hallmark over it and it's like oh it's before everyone <laughs> knew for sure that ellen was terrible <laughs> different times uh, uh, but yeah so yeah but basically like, a month after that happened uh the ceo of hallmark stepped down and someone else took over and then I, th- I like i think then hallmark has done a bunch of queer christmas movies like really cashed in
0: yeah they have uh, yeah
2: so a really funny arc yeah
0: for (laughs) sure (laughs) do either of you watch
2: hallmark at all not as a habit i've seen them as like part of some like random bad movie night watches which are always very fun with a group but uh i've seen clips from some recent like dolly parton movies that seem like they would be worth a watch
1: no i've never i I honestly i don't think i've seen a single hallmark or you know netflix obviously and i think probably some of the other streaming services have, have made their own sort of industry out of it um out of the genre. Uh, no, honestly. I mean most I I'm you. kind of boring <laughs> with like my Christmas classics. Uh, like what the stuff I watch every year. I mean the, the, some of these BBC Christmas stories have become uh, those for me.
0: Bennett, you recently wrote about to You for Split Tooth and you opened your piece with it about the line from uh it's the most wonderful time of the year about you know there'll be scary ghost stories and that's a line that i would never really paid attention to but as soon as you pointed it out it's like
1: oh really that is a
0: weird thing that i was worried i
1: I was kind of worried it was like a hacky bit to to fixate on it because like i don't know every time i hear it you know every time i heard it for a while i was like what you know besides the christmas carol like is that like a common thing and then obviously when i learned about mr james i learned that it was you know he he's just one example and dickens is just another, you know, one example of this whole tradition of kind of telling ghost stories around christmas which i wish existed you know more in the 21st century in the u.s uh, mm-hmm. i don't really know of any examples recently besides you know black the two remakes of black christmas Oh,
0: we covered those last which are both year both
1: underrated honestly i mean <laughs> yeah they're they're solid yeah
2: it seems like all christmas stuff that i can think of that's american is slasher mm-hmm. or there's no like real ghost yeah. horror in the American canon uh, and Christmas.
0: Yeah, I'm trying to think right? of some. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously. The yeah. No, honestly. Scrooged, but uh, you know that's a.
2: <laughs>
1: right. Yeah. The, the classic uh, ghost. Yeah, uh, I, I guess Carol, besides but, the American but, yeah. adaptations of a Christmas Carol.
0: Yeah. I yeah. don't. It does almost feel like you know Christmas Carol is just like, oh yeah, Christmas Ghost, It's been done. Like.
2: Yeah. yeah. We'll just it's
1: kill. Like,
0: well, you knew
2: people. about these guys. They're back.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But Ben, what can you now tell us after this about the combination of ghosts and Christmas time? I mean, I think you found more than you were expecting, and
1: yeah, yeah, no, I mean, uh, I I was really excited when I found out about Mr. James that you know these these stories were all or you know many of his most famous stories were adapted by the BBC and aired throughout the seventies, uh, you know, each Christmas. And when I learned that at least one of them got nine million viewers, I thought that was pretty nuts. I mean nine million for for weekly television that would be good enough for like top ten of of last year, which is pretty crazy and uh yeah, I know I've only read a few of the stories uh you know the two here and uh, a few others and it, it it it's cool also that there was like a, a bunch of kind of horror uh anthology series, many of which aired around christmas I'd say unfortunately, the kind of recent attempts to do it, the very few that I've seen kind of stink particularly the the adaptation of whistle that'll come to you with john hurt you know hey i like i like elevated horror here and there and there's a time and a place but it's it's everything you would expect kind of a more recent it's about trauma type take on the material um everything that's ambiguous is really uh explicit and i don't know john hurt is no match for uh michael hordern uh, for an Oscar-nominated actor, uh, Michael Hordern kind of wipes the floor with John Hurt as this guy, as Parkin Parkins. What a face on that guy. All right. <laughs> so good.
0: <laughs> so before we get too deep into him, why don't we just have you both introduce which film you picked quick. So, Ben, you've mentioned you chose Whistle and I'll Come to You, which was technically before the series officially began. But I'll, I'll let you take it from there
1: yeah the story is called "O oh whistle and i'll come to you my lad they they shortened the title and this aired at, on a documentary series called omnibus in uh, 1968 so sort of a break from the series is the the series tradition uh you know of nonfiction storytelling um i think it's the first you know literary adaptation they had done they, they had you know aired and this was i, I think i think it aired christmas eve or or, you know probably the weekend before christmas 22nd 23rd if not and i don't really know of, of i don't think anybody involved really did any other any of the actors involved really did any other notable kind of film work but it's uh i don't know a lot of great faces um it's um in many ways not an especially faithful adaptation of the story um Which is interesting that the professor in the story is described as uh, really precise of speech. uh, And, uh, you know, in the in the adaptation, he's really kind of comically bumbling and and he mumbles a lot, repeats himself, uh, really struggles to answer questions a lot like, you know, myself. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, now.
0: (laughs) And Zach, you selected The Treasure of Abbott Thomas. Do you want to just give us a little bit about why you picked that one? And...
2: Sure, yeah. Uh, I picked The Treasure of Abbott Thomas from 1974 based on a short story from 1904. And I guess short answer of why I picked it is because it's uh, the goopiest of yes, the yes. BBC ghost <laughs> stories. Um, and it also it has like cosmic horror lovecraftian energy around it without being in that world and i i didn't expect it and i really loved uh where it went um so yeah that was why i picked it also very excited to to have read the short story and see how different it is cuz wow yeah they completely
0: flip it around
2: <laughs> it's a lot better <laughs> wait which one did you like story. more the the film a lot better I, than the short story like, would really be? yeah the Way short story was really
1: boring it. which i which so i hate dry. saying because i really I, you know i really like a oh, whistle and i'll come to you my lad and i don't know i i hate to, i hate to be a guy who's calling you know <laughs> literature boring like Ugh. p.u
2: yeah no thank you for saying that it was it's truly a short story it's just so dry it's it's about all of the like decoding that's not interesting to it's just like and i saw it's like puzzle, six pages it's long like, and it took me okay man, fucking
1: hours great <laughs>
0: Yeah, no. It seems like it should be the opposite, where it's like you know talking about like this is how I solve it should be interesting, but it's more just like hey, look at the window. There's like a black streak. I what if we wipe that off? Oh yeah, cool. Next scene. You yeah, know? it's like it, it moves well, a lot faster. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I don't even think I would have. I don't even think I would have liked it if I hadn't seen the the film beforehand. Like that's how fucking boring it is. Yeah, no yeah. No, completely agree. It yeah, took yeah. me three yep. sittings uh, to
0: get through that one. But uh, <laughs> yeah. all right, <laughs> on that topic though, so I think. These could be a tough sell for some American audiences because, you know, Whistle and I'll Come to You is a 42-minute film. Do we want to call it a film or episode? Does it matter? Adaptation.
1: Oh, I like calling it a film because you film. can hear it on Letterbox. I, there we go. That's, it's that's usually my rule. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's the, is it or is it not a film barometer?
1: Is, is it on Letterbox? Yeah. It's film. <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's a
1: pretty liberal definition, except I don't know. I, usually, I hate most TV. I, 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 you know, I even, I, I know there's a lot of like uh, British TV that people really, uh, they fetishize like Sherlock and such that I've never been a special fan of, uh, but uh, yeah, I, I, I like this enough to call it a film. I hate to be that sort of uh, snob. <laughs> but hey, what are you going to do? Brometer yeah. number two. Yeah. I, can't, I, can't, I, I, I can't exactly change who I am in that respect.
0: Yeah. But essentially, it is a 42-minute film that has two scares in it, you know? Um, I just think it'd be interesting to start about this by talking about the pacing of it because it certainly moves at its own pace it does not feel any obligation to rush. Um, I can imagine a lot of people calling it boring and slow. So I'm just curious, do you feel the slower pace is a benefit for once it does finally have the scary moments? Or talk to me a little bit about how it's paced and you know what the strengths and maybe weaknesses are of that.
1: It's, it's almost like comical in how little happens for the first like 20-ish minutes of it, which I think is kind of, crucial for putting us in the headspace of you know your classic skeptic somebody who really believes that nothing supernatural could possibly happen to them um and uh i i think it's kind of you know it's fun to spend time with despite the fact that this guy's so insufferable it's kind of fun to spend time with him um i think it's you know it, it's funny that it's good character building one of the things i like about there's a little bit of this in uh treasure of abbott thomas there's but I, I, I don't know. I think it's a little funnier. I know that i will come to you. Um, sometimes MR James will like say things like, you know, people who have been to this part of the country can like fill in the description or like, uh, you know, and always all i will come to you my lad. He says like, you know, uh, readers who are more familiar with golf can sort of fill in the gaps here. Uh, then I think he says a few things like that in treasure of Abbott Thomas. Um, I, um, <clears throat> I like that this is very, very different in, in, you know, in the sense that it, it spends a lot of time with the character and really kind of like luxuriates it, 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 if this were like written out all of this it would be you know a very long descriptions the the dialogue would be you know it, it would take pages worth of like mm, uh, uh well uh, uh, mm, uh. and uh, you know him again him like repeating words um and uh you know when he's arriving at the hotel there's like Three different uh like fades into shots of him kind of like crossing the screen to the hotel like the the driving there takes forever, which you know on the page it's like one page and he's at the hotel mm-hmm. um, now obviously some of that is like you know we, we we spend time with you know the opening credits, but even even that he he waits a long time for the uh you know the proprietor of the hotel to come and like let him in uh but I love that, you know, it really kind of you know lards on the spooky atmosphere and i love that proprietor it's like alfred hitchcock you know he and he's mumbles even more than you know our, our our protagonist the professor
0: and while we're on the intro i just wanted to read the first three lines of the short story because i've never seen this written before I and mean, this is how it opens so it's a quote and it says I suppose you'll be getting away pretty soon. Or now, full term is over. Professor, set a person not in the story to the professor of entonography. <laughs> it's like, wait, what? Set a person not in the story. I love that.
1: <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah, yeah. It just, I just imagine it's like a you, you have to imagine like a like a Nintendo Me or something. Just, just like a fucking like a <laughs> blank face or something.
0: It's the strangest way to get into a story. I read that, like, four times, like, what? (laughs) Well, because also,
2: they're now in the story. Right. He just just brought them up. (laughs) They're there.
0: (laughs) But they do kind of do a good job of having just background characters in the film who are just kind of, you know, there, like all the other diners who he, like, so awkwardly tries to avoid and then just sits as far away as he can.
1: It's funny every time to me too. Oh yeah, <laughs> and that's something too. Like it, again, you, you see this, you see the same scene a couple of times before anything spooky happens. You see him like eating alone a couple of times. Um, you see you know him and the colonel kind of disagreeing. It's it's a great adaptation in the sense that it has its own version of like every most of the things that's great that are great about the story. Um, on the page Um, you know the colonel is such a fun character on the page because he's you know really kind of like giving him shit um without on the golf course and really kind of like uh you know laying it on about how he really does believe in the supernatural And, and the professor is sort of you know you can tell just just waiting to to sort of start lecturing him and golf keeps getting in the way um we should mention that there's an incredible scene in the story everybody should read the story uh there's this incredible scene early on where like a professor Um, just sort of makes like a completely innocent joke about the hotel. Um, You know, the professor finds out there's going to be two beds in his room. It was the only one he could reserve. Um, And, uh, you know, a a professor he doesn't especially like keeps saying, uh, oh, well, you know, I could stay in another bed. And another professor makes some innocent joke, like, oh, maybe, you know, he can help keep away the ghosts. And this Professor Parkin slash Parkins, it's different on the page in the movie, um, really just sort of, starts fuming uh and like starts like yelling at him and uh really kind of like laying in that he considers it like you know an insult to academics like him to even consider that there's like you know the supernatural um so you know he's he's really setting himself up uh if you know if it was a movie you know if he was if he was in a movie here there would be such like you know ominous music and I, i i don't know i like that the again that the filmed version is completely different in that respect we have kind of an equivalent scene to that fight but it's the professor really kind of like stumbling around and kind of like laughing at his own jokes and, uh, you know, focusing on the food rather than uh, really laying out his argument uh, efficiently as the professor does on the page. But again, you know, a, a singular kind of uh, distinct version of something that's great in the story. Again, a perfect adaptation uh, in that respect.
0: Zach, you mentioned he has a great face. It is so expressive. Uh so expressive. I mean, he spends so much of this film eating like there's like three or four <laughs> different scenes where he's eating I mean, I yeah, I just what can you, you tell us? mileage
2: out of a lot of napkins? Oh, yeah Yeah,
0: I mean, do you want to maybe just talk about him as a character because we learn so much about him just through eating and just like darn You know the noises and faces he makes
2: yeah all the clenching and like hunching everything about like the way he moves and like his version of like hiking <laughs> Like, just taking a stroll <laughs> yeah. down, like, a sidewalk, well, he basically, a trudge, he's like... Yeah, which trudge. is so, uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, so apt, yes, that's uh,
1: right. both for the atmosphere and sort of his his way of walking. Um, yeah. Yeah, you do learn a lot, both from, like, the fact that he sits alone and his whole posture, and, I don't know, the muttering to himself, especially, it's, it's, I think it's, like, toward the end, right before the haunting really begins in earnest, when he's like, oh, I told him I don't like tomatoes, and he's <laughs> yeah. really, really, like, complaining. Yeah. Um, very, very funny stuff. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I think it says everything, how much he's, like, focusing on the grapefruit or the soft-boiled egg or whatever it is, instead of, like, looking at the colonel as he's, like, telling him what an idiot he thinks the colonel is. <laughs> yeah. Which is so great. And thankfully, he doesn't do any shots of, like, his mouth chewing. Like, we managed to have a lot of food in this movie and a lot of eating. Yeah, 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 no close-ups, yeah. It's always a plus.
0: <laughs> so, I think in one of his conversations with the colonel, he's talking about what he's planning to do the next day and he's like oh you know i'm gonna go do this stuff where does he go i mean this is when the ghost stuff starts to come in do you want to maybe walk through how he gets there
1: i mean yeah i mean much like in the story you know he just he he walks along like the the spooky beach i think in the uh well I, i think in the story movie it's just he's kind of innocently walking home and stumbles on some sort of i think like templar graveyard or something Um, But uh, in the story, he is, you know, he's walking around a cemetery on a kind of a spooky ridge and he finds this uh, whistle sticking out of the ground um, and he takes it back that night and uh, kind of finds a spooky Latin inscription on it. Um, I think in the story, there's kind of, uh, you know, an inscription that you're left to, that's, that's left sort of mysterious. Then it's also written in Latin, who is this, who is coming? And, you know, obviously not being familiar with horror cinema, he doesn't think anything of it. And being a, a skeptic thinks nothing of it. Yeah.
0: So, correct me if I'm wrong, but no one in their right mind would actually take something jutting out of a grave uh, and then actually put it in their mouth, right?
1: Just, yeah, just that hunch. was something I've, I've thought of, yeah, the whole time. It's really yeah. disgusting. Especially, again, he's described as so, like, neat and meticulous, and I just feel like that goes hand-in-hand with also not being... with being sort of sanitary in a general sense, you know?
2: His disdain for the supernatural was so strong. (laughs) He was willing.
1: yeah. It'll be
0: fine, right? (laughs) Fuck it, I
2: gotta test his whistle.
0: (laughs) So he does uh, put said item in his mouth and blows on the whistle, and the wind starts to blow immediately, right?
1: Yeah, it's not especially dramatic, I don't think, in the in the adaptation, or at least not in this this this, this nineteen sixty eight adaptation. I mean, you know, it's you notice it, but I think in the uh, you know in the in the on the on the page, it's described as really being you know so intense that it like wakes up the colonel and you hear him like stomping around, mm-hmm. and, you know, the the water is coming into the the brain is coming into the professor's room, etc. This you know the professor notices it, but I don't think it really keeps him up at night. I think we maybe get one shot of him like waking up, sort of disturbed. Um, kind of thinking of the beach, but nothing too crazy at this point. We haven't gotten too supernatural. It's not and you know it's it's not until the next morning when they start talking about the supernatural. I think the the colonel kind of out of nowhere to start the scene asks if the professor believes in ghosts and that kind of you know tease him up to start talking about how little he believes in the supernatural. Mm-hmm. So
0: this film does a great job with simplicity and subtlety. The first time we see the ghosts, it is literally just a bed sheet on a beach. Um, but it becomes so imposing whenever it's shown. I mean, do one of you want to try to tackle why this bed sheet is able to become scary? Cause it's like, it's so simple, but it's, it's
2: so effective. Yeah, I was shocked by how effective I found the end beat in particular. Yes. Um, I feel like it's because it's so uncanny. Like, I know it's a sheet. I know it's being done in such like a rudimentary way, Mm -hmm. but something about the motion and like the slow-mo of it that I just didn't expect to hit in something of like, uh, that feels like a period piece. And like that tonally up until that point has felt so straight Mm -hmm. um, that as soon as it slowed down and that sound hit, I just, like, my
1: stomach dropped. I was really not expecting it. The the stop motion is is spooky. It's one of those things that's sort of always spooky. And it's really spooky to see here, yeah, in in what's, you know, very much not an animated film in, you know, the 60s. Um, And it's, yeah, I think the fact that it's such an elemental sort of thing makes it a little spookier. You know, I'm thinking of other examples of things like that that are just sort of, like, kind of hokey, scary things that end up actually being scary. I'm trying to think of, are are there other examples of that? Yeah.
2: Um, uh, Oh, um, have you seen Black Sabbath? Um, The the Mario Baba short in that, A Drop of Water. There's like a puppet hand in in that that comes around a corner and like in the same way, like my brain knows that's like a puppet hand on like a wooden arm, but like it coming around a corner at a certain time just like fucking scared the shit out of me. Like, really, really got me. Uh, But very, very rudimentary and, like, yeah, basic.
0: No, I mean, there's something that's just so profound about just those simple type of scares. I mean, the one that always gets me, it's also a Christmas horror movie, hooray, but the end of Black Christmas, it's like the house is empty and everyone i watch with always misses it because they're like wait who was the actual killer it's like shut up the phone is (laughs) ringing they didn't get the guy like that's the scariest part of the movie you're missing it like that always gets me because he's just still in the attic but no one knows or cares and she's alone in the house with him but yeah oh god that one's so good yeah it's perfect
1: um, it, it, I mean, it's kind of, it, it's an obvious one, but in the, in the, ch- in, uh, Changeling or the Changeling, I think it's called with, with George e. Scott, when the ball's kind of, b- when the ball is bouncing down the stairs, it's parodied in scary movie Two of all things, yep. um, of all places. Um, you know, that's one that's really like, uh, you know, easy to imagine happening in real life and very like, you know, um, it's, you know, even the, the sound of it is like a good effective jump scare. Yes. Yeah.
2: Um, The performance at the end of Whistle and I'll Come to You also really sells that scare. Yes. Like seeing him fall apart that way is
1: very, very effective, given what we know about him and how he's behaved the whole time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and that's like it's like eighty-five percent of what we see during the scene too. Yeah. We kind of get one shot of the sheet sort of rising off of uh, off of the bed. Um. And spent quite a while on his face as he sort of panics and again the sound is so so spooky both yeah. you know in the dreams um uh and uh and here and the dreams are mostly right out of the story him kind of running down the beach and hiding behind these uh i learned a new word reading this uh, story groins i had to google that too. G-O- uh, g-r-o-y-n-e-s they're these like kind of wooden uh I don't know, what do you call them? Like pier type things yeah. oh, that reach wow. out and surf. I've walked on a groin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too, I think. Yeah. <laughs> a concrete one though, not not a wooden one like this. I
0: typed it in on Google and it was like, Are you sure you're in, this is like a British word, you're in America. It's like, Thanks, Google. That's why I'm Googling it.
1: <laughs> but yeah, you know, he dreams of kind of being chased down the beach by uh, something and uh hiding uh, eventually kind of crouching behind one of these groins and he keeps kind of waking up and going back into the same nightmare which is one of those things that only happens in like literature or in like movies i think but i mean yeah. i don't know i guess it could happen to people in real life it's thankfully never happened to me yeah uh, i don't think
0: i uh, did love how he describes the ghost in the story because he talks about it as it appears as if it's running like super fast but it's not moving and like that is just like yeah whoa. which is so scary yeah like which
1: yeah it's yeah it's spooky to imagine i mean i don't know that that's always scary in in, in movies and and, and it, uh something you know being far and just keep continually getting closer i mean it's you know it's a classic like uh michael myers uh yes. scare yeah uh always spooky yeah it was scary in that burger king commercial with the king in that guy's backyard <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah same same exact principle yeah
0: <laughs> that image though is just it's it is. it's scarier in your head because if you do that in a you know a movie it's just gonna look goofy because it's just gonna be like a cartoon like running in place and it's like okay that's stupid but i think they were very wise to omit the running and just do the like you know because they barely show the ghost at all it's like twice and both times you're like oh <laughs> that was cool and then it's done and then you get him sucking his thumb like yeah come on <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah other j- jump scare I just thought of uh, you, uh, Bennett you saying the approaching to the distance made me think of it have you seen the innocence uh, from 1961
1: yes yeah the asleep. sort of turn of the screw type Deborah yes Garth. exactly
2: yeah it's the turn of the screw adaptation with the script by Truman Capote of all people and there's a sequence in it where the kids are playing hide and seek with the governess, and she hides behind a curtain, uh, and there's a window to the outside behind her. And as the kids are looking for her in like deep focus, someone like it's a very again, kind of rudimentary effect of like someone is standing on something with wheels, but you just see a figure like float forward out of the shadows, like face right up against the window. Uh, and she turns and looks at him, and it like full stomach drop, very basic, terrifying out of nowhere scare. So good. Highly recommend that movie.
0: I fell asleep. We tried to it's do two one. movies in a row and I, I fell asleep. I'll, yeah, I'll get back to fair. it. Yeah, that's <laughs> fair. This is an interesting pivot point though because we're talking about why the simplicity of the, the scary parts of this are so good. Um, Bennett, you mentioned they remade this in 2010 when the BBC tried to reboot the, the Christmas Ghost Story series and I think the nicest way to say it is i was unmoved (laughs) by the 2010 version um everything is just so cgi heavy that nothing seems possible like it's all just like that's a computer and i think there's something that is just so much scarier about like why did the go why did the bed sheet move that way? Like, uh no. You <laughs> no, it's just like it leaves nothing to the imagination. Do you maybe wanna just give us a quick little uh, maybe just your take on the two thousand ten version?
1: To quote television's Jay Sherman, it stinks. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> sorry, it um yeah it um I don't know it fucking blows. Um, it um I, I don't know if they had necessarily formalized, and I'm not sure if they still have. I don't know if like I, I don't know if the BBC ghost story thing is now a formal thing, but they you know they're still occasionally adapting MR James stories, and I think this was sort of the first of the bringing it back. It was um, yeah. There's a movie with Robert Pattinson called like the Haunted Airman that might be post this, might be pre this. I don't think it's it's I don't think it's an adaptation of a story, but it was also I think aired around Christmas. It's also spooky, scary. I watched a terrible rip of it on uh, YouTube. Wow. Uh, very dark. But anyway, this this movie with uh, this adaptation with John Hurt in the uh, in the uh, Michael Hordern role. Uh, I don't know. It, he he he's going on vacation, kind of shortly after checking his wife into uh, like an assisted living facility, like a memory care facility. Mm-hmm. She's got Alzheimer's, and he's uh, pun intended haunted by the decision uh, when he goes on holiday. Um, and then you know he, he you know he blows the whistle. It's it's effectively the same. But it was a type
0: ring, wasn't it? like he finds oh, a no. ring yeah, it's
1: a it's a ring
0: and like he whispers the oh whisper and i'll come to you my lad into his wife's ear before leaving it's like what
1: <laughs> it just didn't there was a lot yeah, that didn't it, add it's up like, <laughs> it's like played throughout and he's like hearing it beforehand it all it's all like prophesized ahead of time and um the ghost kind of looks like his wife it's it's yeah it's it's everything the original is not um it's very kind of overproduced and overwrought altogether
2: sounds overthought too like that's written like the original was like missing some substance that like <laughs> we needed more context on his personal life or like
1: he needed a wife to die <laughs> to definitely yeah. interesting. Like, no yeah exa- I, mean, I mean like we said the first one literally just says like this guy that he's talking to is not important <laughs> as yeah. he introduces you to the lead character in the story <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, it just, it was (laughs) anti-subtle. It's like the ghost is literally outside his door, like, shaking it, trying to get in. And he's just in bed like, ah, I'm so scared. But like, I don't know. There's like a, a marble bust in the room of a face that he keeps turning around. But like it doesn't do anything like there were just so many things that were like this could i should have rewatched it no <laughs> no you shouldn't
1: <laughs> yeah i watched it like i watched it like a month ago when i was writing the piece it's it's, it's obviously it's not as memorable as the original i mean before <laughs> before working on this piece that i wrote for which i watched it like three or four times i i you know i had only seen it one time but it's one of those movies that again pun intended haunts yeah, you yeah. you know it's very uh <laughs> It's very spooky it's it's definitely one folks worth uh you know watching and returning to uh year after year uh this time of year
0: yeah but the new one like there's you know the ghost talk kind of comes up at breakfast or dinner whichever and you know there's only one other person in the hotel it's the proprietor and he comes downstairs he's like i was so scared like oh no there was no one here and she's like well maybe it was a ghost ha 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 and then he does the like to just start speaking like mr James like oh you know the uh, the odd chances that it could potentially be this like in old English it's like this doesn't fit at all like where did this come from
1: <laughs> no yeah no I, I don't know I the great joy of the of the original is how inarticulate he, he is and I don't know I'm not asking John Hurt to really try and do like an impression of the original performance you can't. but ugh if you're gonna like bring it up to the modern day you can't have him talking like the you can't have him talking more like the character in the mr james story yeah unless like like yeah i don't know because it's not like it spends time establishing that like he's that type of guy do you know what i mean like we don't get like we don't get like four scenes he's not like lecturing his cab driver like that he's not you know we don't get that initial scene that, that establishes that we don't for it, he's still, you know, a professor, notably, and I think his wife was also a professor, but it's not like we get the original scenes of him, like, on campus that we get in the, uh, in the story, from what I remember.
0: I mean, I think my biggest issue with it is that they do everything to establish him as, like, a good, caring guy. Like, you know, he's on vacation because he's taken his wife to this memory care facility, and they tell him, like, hey, we're going to try and get her comfortable with this we want you just to go away for like a week or so just you know you need to get used to not having her home anymore and he's just the whole time like this is awful like i can't believe this is happening and then spoiler alert like the ghost is his wife she breaks into, gets into his room through under the door and literally scares him to death it's like what like her she goes i'm still here and then he dies it's like it's what <laughs> like it doesn't like I yeah and I don't know it, I don't I didn't know what to do with that
1: yeah I don't know I, I don't mean to sound like uh like my monocle is gonna fall <laughs> out or something but something I like about the original the the, the story and obviously you know less so in the adaptation is that it kind of makes it very clear that the professor survives this sort of thing and it kind of plays it, Mr. James kind of plays it for a laugh. I, I compared it to to, to the way, uh, you know, Washington Irving writes about Ichabod Crane sort of after the, you know, kind of getting chased off by the, you know, headless horseman that may or may not exist and kind of becoming like an object of fun. You know, the Mr. James writes something about the professor, you know, becoming the sort of guy now who's like afraid of his own shadow and afraid of like, you know, the moonlight, you know, uh, hitting something the wrong way i like that about it and this is the opposite of that it's so excessively dour so in in
2: the story ending does it, it it ends with him uh living but he's terrified of everything from then on i haven't read the full uh story i don't think
0: i got it right here so i love the last paragraph because you know he's run through this then he says there really is nothing more to tell, but as you may imagine, the professor's view on certain points are less clear-cut than they used to be. His nerves, too, have suffered. He can—he uh, cannot even now see a surplice hanging on a door quite unmoved, and the spectacle of a scarecrow in a field late on a winter afternoon has cost him more than one sleepless night. It's like That's
2: awesome. Right? That's so much better than getting scared to, geth- to death one time. Yeah,
0: it's terrible. Yeah, <laughs> He's a broken man. And he does man. sort of like a
1: and it's yeah i think it's great in the original that it's much more like uh you know like it's 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 like scarier but uh you know our, in the original adaptation i mean I, I like that it's like you know a little scarier but this this excessively dour version sucks yeah. um but yeah on, on the page mr james makes it clear the uh the the colonel the like throws the uh the, the whistle out into the ocean or the seer uh the sea um uh or you know whatever it is and um you know i guess they light some sort of fire as as like a ritual to kind of like ward off ghosts um we should have i I should have mentioned up top in in the kind of like academic narration that that miller jonathan miller the director does up top he i don't know to me he has like certainly not my read on the story um I don't know, he suggests that it might just be all in his head. He says something along the lines of, like, you know, it's like the isolated mind turned against itself. or When he forgets to consider the, in the parts of his mind that he can't understand or something like that, it, it very much suggests that it could be in his head, uh, which Emma James, I think, you know, Makes pretty clear is it the case? At least everybody in the story definitely believes it was really supernatural. And even if, even if the professor has become you know a bit of a scaredy cat, I think they, I think they, you know, I don't mean, I don't think M.R. James means to suggest that any of it wasn't real within the within the world of the story. And then, as as, as I as much as I don't like the more explicit uh, version of the twenty ten story uh, twenty ten adaptation, I, I I like that we have kind of these two. Uh, versions one where the, the Horror is maybe a little more ambigu- Ambiguous the, the nature of it is a little More nebulous and one where uh, You know we're meant To kind of believe that ghosts Really exist
0: yeah I mean Give me the bed sheet And that final freeze frame Like That conveys <laughs> so much more about Horror than a ghost Going tee under a door can You know it's just like it's so goofy <laughs>
1: awesome. No, I really should have rewatched it. I really pride myself on my my, my willingness to kind of watch and rewatch this sort of garbage. Uh,
0: yeah, you don't you don't gotta do that,
1: Ben. I don't oh, pride myself as a strong. Save a strong it for phrase. next Christmas. Yeah. Lord. there's nothing worth taking pride in about that. Good lord. <laughs> hey, Christmas isn't here yet. I have got, got days to I've got days to keep shoveling. Uh, I'll still keep drinking that garbage. We got, we got time. Uh, well, do you guys have other horror movies that you make sure to make sure to watch every year?
2: Christmas Horror Elves is uh, one that I come back to yearly. I don't know. Uh, Have you seen that one? No. With Dan Haggerty? No, I've never seen it. (laughs) It's doozy. It's definitely not good. It's like a little meaner than your average (laughs) SOV, but it's so insane, and there's so many uh, fun things about it that uh, it's become a yearly rewatch.
0: Wait, is this the one where the imdb description is a woman finds she is part of a nazi breeding experiment with elves to create superman
2: correct yep that's the elves <laughs> i'm talking about i'll be watching uh, which kind of a spoiler the the nazi stuff doesn't hit till like oh a ways in like <laughs> a lot of insane shit has happened and then they're like oh the elves are part of a nazi thing and you're like pardon me of course
0: they are <laughs> Uh, we watch black Christmas every year that is I think my number two favorite horror movie behind Texas Chainsaw Massacre I mean, that's one I can watch anytime. Um, yep. The Hollywood theater we are blessed that every year just about every year they show Silent Night Deadly Night on the big screen And like oh, yeah. it's a sellout every year. Unfortunately. I couldn't make it. It was last night and I couldn't go um, Silent Night Deadly Night five actually is worth your time mickey rooney I, is that the
1: only joe pedo yeah,
0: yeah mickey rooney plays a toy maker named joe pedo <laughs> that's all yes. you need if you're not sold I get have, out of here <laughs>
2: i have seen that one it's <laughs> <fun>. <laughs> the, that's the one with Sc- uh, screaming mad george worked on that one right did i make that up
0: sounds like a thing <laughs> i'm not sure uh, i'm terrible with names but
2: but that's the one where the the like son it's like a it's a pinocchio killer right it's yeah like a yeah human doll man yes yes yeah
0: <laughs> that's a great one i love yeah. it has like seven names dial code Santa Claus, um
1: oh yeah something. yeah i still need to see that I, i've never seen it i've heard great things it's, i know there was a piece about it on the side yeah it's I really good it. i wrote that one also better. rougher
2: than you'd expect oh yeah like i was surprised no
0: it's like rambo doing as a kid doing Home Alone before Home Alone. <laughs> what if
2: Rainbow was a small boy? Yeah.
0: And a millionaire. <laughs> and yeah. Had any toy he wanted.
1: <laughs> I watched P two the other day on Tubi. I don't know if you've seen that one. Oh, P two yeah. with uh um. Wes Bentley. It wasn't 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 especially great, but there was some no. Elvis. That's music one of those like was a plus. super
2: tacked on horror Christmas movies where it's like they like I haven't seen there's no real years, reason like, it has to be set at christmas right it's yeah. like very nominally like they pass it's a just christmas a reason tree. why like no <laughs> one
1: else would be there yeah <laughs>
2: yeah
0: bennett you wrote about christmas evil a few years ago oh that's a great oh, one yeah, a great. Yeah, I, I love really that one, one too, and i've watched yeah. that
1: many uh many a year because um, that's I mean, that that that's a five star movie. I gotta watch that again so I like, can give it the old upgrade on Letterbox. I, I shouldn't be doing free advertising for them. I'm sorry. You can like <laughs> bleep that out if you want. Or we could say, <laughs> I shouldn't be doing free advert or you know I, I need to give that five stars on that that movie app. No, you um, should use the censor bleep every there's time someone too. says Letterbox. <laughs> 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 or any brand name. You know I don't know. I don't want to do free advertising. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. yeah
0: great no that is a dark one i i like dark christmas horror because sometimes it's just like oh you know it's fun they all still had ham at the end it's like all right come on but like silent yeah. night deadly night it's one that people misremember because everyone's always like oh it's so funny like there's the sledding scene where he says naughty but like we took some friends last year and i kind of gotten to that point where it's like it's so much fun like everyone's like fully participating with it but then it's like oh i forgot how seriously dark and deranged this is like yeah, yeah. they kill the kid's mom like early on like both parents like oh it's forgot. a really
2: brutal opening yeah. and then it takes its time like just building and being like kind of a huge bummer for like yeah. roughly an hour <laughs> until yeah. the kills start it is great <laughs> like the grandpa's whole opening monologue <laughs> you've been uh, naughty yeah. kid uh versus the second one which just does like the super cut of one plus uh insanity yeah garbage day <laughs> huge total shift which maybe accounts for people thinking one is fun ex- it... or one is exclusively fun right because like two turns it into the fun clip show and then you're like oh i remember all that fun stuff from the first one yeah
0: that could be <laughs> <laughs> i
1: I'm not sure if I've seen either. I've definitely never seen two though I've you know, I've heard all about mm. it. I've heard of Garbage Day, of course. Yes, you yep. parody in a few of the motor movies. Okay, um, w- watch I, that
0: before the two thousand ten whistle and I'll come to you. Ben. <laughs> 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 no, that one is I
1: uh, you know I, a classic. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I, of course, watch Christmas uh, or Black Christmas. Um, I, I I own uh, the 2006 Black Christmas on, on Amazon, unfortunately, so I, you know, I'm going to work that into the yearly rotation. <laughs> it was cheaper to buy than rent,
0: wasn't it? I think I did this It was one thing. of those ones where it
1: was cheaper to buy than rent, yeah. Did you so see so. Um,
2: It's a Wonderful Knife this year? I haven't. Mm-hmm. No, I know that's that's you new. Know, not worth it. Yeah. Probably the okay, worst I've thing seen, I've, I've seen. I've, this I've seen this a year. few. Uh-oh. Not so- hey
0: like, wait until you watch whistle come to you from 2010 <laughs> it can't
2: no 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 because because it's a wonderful knife thinks it's cute i'm positive that the 2010 mm. whistle I'll come to you does not think no it's
0: it thinks cute. it's smart that's that's almost
1: it worse. Thinks it's, yeah i was gonna <laughs> say it thinks it's like smart and, it it insightful actually. and very like very literary yeah no. it's the it's the movie equivalent of like a bubble pipe you know, like, uh... it's a movie you don't want to hang out with. <laughs> yes, yes.
0: On that note, why don't we take a quick pause? We uh, we still got the treasure of Abbott Thomas to get to. Um, we're gonna take a little break, and we will be right back looking at the BBC ghost story for Christmas from 1974. Who is this? Who is?
1: We shall blow it and see.
0: So The Treasure of Abbott Thomas was the 1974 BBC Ghost Story. And in the time between these two, the series had kind of grown into like an annual tradition um this one is directed by lawrence gordon clark and he also directed the stalls of barchester a warning for the curious which many people think is the best of the series uh lost hearts in 1973 and then after this one he also did the ash tree and the signalman which is my personal favorite of the series that one is a charles dickens story really really interesting about (laughs) a tunnel signal operator and he uh, sees a ghost with no face. It, it's good. So good. It's so good. <laughs> yeah. Um, I meant yeah. to bring this up earlier, but the BBC got in some trouble in the nineties when they showed a movie on Halloween called ghost watch. Um, this is something that Brett wrote about for split tooth. I think last year for October horror. And I just want to bring this up quick because ghost watch is i think probably a top 25 horror movie for me um and they played it as if it was happening in real time with real ghosts taking over the airwaves in a story that the conjuring two later used um have you you've both seen ghost watch right
1: yeah yeah, yeah, it's it's top ten for me. I watched it on my so computer good. one time in the dark in like my old basement apartment, and I was so fucking scared. I at the time I was like, "This is the scariest movie I've ever seen." But yeah. could you imagine um,
0: seeing it also thinking like oh God, this yeah. is happening? Well, Not to mean,
1: mention like shitting your pants. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like oh, absolutely.
2: But also the first time I watched it, I didn't have the context that it. It was actual BBC like news people in oh, it. Oh yeah, yeah. So like, imagine having seen these people only exclusively do the news for like you know the majority of your life, <laughs> yeah. and they're appearing yeah, just yeah. like documentary live, themselves. like, yeah, amazing,
1: crazy. That is an incredible. I mean, no wonder so many that. people were fooled. Yeah.
0: yeah, but there like there were serious consequences because you know there were people who killed themselves because they thought there were ghosts in their house, and there were. I think tens of thousands of phone calls going like what the hell is happening and so they kind of disowned it for a very long time and I think it was last year they finally let a blu-ray of it come out and it's a fascinating movie and history but um you know then they revived the bbc christmas ghost stories in 2010 and it just got me thinking about you know, horror for a general TV audience. Um, It's just such a fascinating thing when you think of it. I mean, we have like, you know, Netflix, like Black Mirror and stuff like that. Now American Horror Story that, those have never held my interest personally. I think they're just a little too much and trying a little too hard. Um, uh,
1: I, I, used to kind of like American horror story. I've watched probably six seasons, which is more than anyone should have watched. But for a while I liked it because it was the one show on TV where honestly anything could happen. And right. you can't really say that about any for every show.
0: No, I mean, it's, I know a lot of people who love it to death, so I'm not going to say anything bad about it, but it's BBC, like channel two, um, christmas ghost stories i mean the thing i do like about these is that they rarely venture into kind of bloody territory like i think the ice house there's like a decapitated head for maybe a second or two that you see and that's about maybe lost hearts there's some a little bit of blood
2: yep but it's like very stagey even then it's like kind of right
0: heavy white makeup it's like they're clearly you know ghost vampires
2: or whatever they are and
0: it's yeah. not really scary, but I'm just wondering if you have any thoughts about the best way to kind of approach mass audience horror. Because you really can't go too crazy, because you'll lose the, you know more squeamish people. But you also don't want to be too tame, because then people actually like horror are gonna be like, "This is lame." Like, what do you think is the proper approach for TV horror?
1: Be honest, I think they nailed it here. I think an, an adaptation of like a period piece is usually good for keeping you within certain, uh, you know, limits, uh, content wise. You won't really like offend any sensibilities, and even if it's it, it, it's going to be spooky at worst, um, you know, I don't think any of these is like really like especially scary, besides Whistle and I'll Come to You, which is not really part of the series. I think this the 70s series is mostly pretty, uh, you know, it's it's firmly in the spooky territory. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's usually good. And, you know, I I think people like period pieces enough that that's not like a hurdle for anybody. uh, It being a costume drama, because like, you don't really have to have people speaking period appropriate language or anything like that, that. That might present a hurdle. I, I, so I think they 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 uh, yeah I think they kind of nailed it here. If you want to do mass horror for for like something like television, I think it's usually like an adaptation of kind of like a old short story or like a sci-fi short story is usually the way to go. Yeah,
2: they also have kind of a cozy vibe where like or, or a comfortable energy where there's not really yeah. anyone at threat who hasn't directly. Burned it, or like ventured into terror. Like you know, there's no threat to the point, layman yeah. for like just existing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always brought upon the characters by themselves. So there's like an extra layer yeah, yeah, of yeah, yeah. comfort and safety there. Yeah,
1: yeah. right. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it, it suggests that like uh, the skeptic was like almost right. Basically, yeah. yeah. There aren't ghosts unless you pick up the the cursed book or the cursed right. pencil, or you go collecting yeah. for the the cursed gold or what have you. Um. But yeah, and also, I mean, this one, much like uh, the whistle and I'll come to you, it's got a little bit more, it's got much more incident because they're trying to solve like a mystery and, but it's, it's similarly paced, you know, it moves pretty quickly, or it moves pretty slowly, I I should say. And it's really only like scary at the very end. Um, And then again, like scary is kind of a strong word for, for, you know, what it uh, accomplishes.
0: So really fast. I just want to open it up to either of you. Um, are there any of these BBC ghost stories that you think people should definitely check out that we have not mentioned yet? Because I, I really like almost all the ones I've seen.
1: I think they're all great. Is there any that we didn't mention? I mean, you, you, we mentioned a warning to the curious and passion. I'd say, honestly, I think that's the one that's kind of like the scariest, maybe like the grimmest to me. It had the ending where I was the most like, whoa. Um <laughs> Maybe Lost Hearts is the spookiest, you know? Ghost Kids is always, like, pretty spooky. I think that's a pretty easy sell. People like Ghost Kid stuff. Uh, They're all fun. They all have, like you said, kind of, like, a cozy vibe. They're good for, like, this time of year. I mean, that's a good way to nail the, the masked horror yeah they
2: also all have very like abrupt and shocking endings kind of like even when they're not real like gut punches per se there's always sort of an abruptness to it that uh, you're taken aback by which is very cool to see like they spend so much time building and then it's like just kind
1: of like a quick curtain pull at the end
2: and you're out it's
1: like great for like keeping the viewer up at night you know you imagine like it really like filling you with adrenaline Mm
0: -hmm. yes so zach you selected the treasure of abbott thomas we mentioned earlier that the story is not the most interesting. Um, do you maybe you want to give us a backstory of what the story is about?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, so I really enjoyed it the first time I watched it and I was struck by the structure of it on rewatching, Uh, particularly in the context of now having read the story. Um, So the story is exclusively about this professor basically finding in in some historical records that there was an abbot Thomas that had hidden his treasure somewhere on the grounds uh, that he works on. He finds it and is cursed by it. And then he has his friend come and essentially put the cursed object of, you know, gold or whatever it was back into the hole. So the curse leaves him alone. And that's pretty much it for the short story. Very dryly told. It's all after the fact, and there's, like, I think the spookiest thing that happens in it is, like, the narrator, when he goes to bed, uh, the the professor that he's come to visit had told him to lock his door, so he locked his door, and it sounded like someone was trying to get in, Um, and then, you know, they felt like something was watching them when they were putting the gold away, and that's kind of it, and it's very dry, very long, very slow, but the, the film adaptation adds this whole layer where instead of refracting it through the professor and like one of his uh, subsidiaries who like summoned someone to help him, it takes place before the hunt for the treasure has actually started. And you start with, um, I think it's one of his students um, whose mother is a widow and she has these two mediums in her house who are trying to contact her dead loved one. And the, the student is convinced that they're scam artists. So he goes to the professor to prove them out as scam artists and when he goes to visit the professor the professor is reading about the treasure of abbott thomas and that spawns their kind of search for the treasure the whole time the professor is like well i'm not i don't care about gold though it's just uh just for scholarly pursuits which is uh such a great character foil because um, it's so obvious that he wants the money the whole time but he like pretends to be above it and there's no hint of that or even really any like personality in the short story at all uh, to be brutal, um so like extra impressed by the adaptation in that respect.
1: Yeah, no, it's this. This is like the best version of like a Da Vinci Code sort of a thing. Yeah. Yes, like a yeah. guy doing sort of like an academic mystery like this. This is like if we act. This is like if Robert Langdon was actually like a charming character on the screen, like Dan yeah. Brown and, and Tom Hanks. So obviously, wish he was. Not to not to shoehorn <laughs> in Ron Howard here.
2: But. The thing that I love most, I think, about the film adaptation that is also not in the short at all is. They set it up so that the student has a realization about the riddle to push the professor into finding the treasure while the professor is taking down the fake mediums and like being very haughty and like speaking in french and latin and proving that the the mediums aren't actually talking to anyone who's deceased and the kid who had brought him there in the first place to do that is completely not paying attention and they do it in this really cool way where every time they cut to the kid it's a close-up of him thinking and they use the very creepy folk orchestral music kind of almost electronic tinged uh the score for this is so cool um and it just cuts in every time you're you're with the kid as it's cutting back to this professor just like taking down the mediums Um, and at the end of that sequence the kid is like oh i know what the next piece of the puzzle is like has not even clocked the reason that he brought the professor there in the first place and i just thought that was such a cool dynamic and and way to to push the story along and make it, it it adds like a whole supernatural element that is again not there on the page as well
0: the story is just a weird sequencing too because it's like it's in three parts and like the first two parts are like oh no your friend is ill will you come to his aid yes i will and then he gets there in part two and he's like i'm sick will you help me but no questions until you've done what i ask and then part
2: three is like all right so here's what happened
0: and it's just such a strange way to tell it
2: it's like the least dramatic structure possible yeah it's like oh go do a thing come to me when you're done and then the next part is i did it yeah like (laughs) it's like
0: how do i tell a campfire story Huh. and then Let's, they eventually
2: uh, <laughs> go back and tell what he did like he does tell like oh when i went down there this is what happened it's like why are you why is this the structure what does this add to anything yeah so I mean, it's definitely
1: not tension <laughs> no it opens with a huge paragraph in latin too which sort of tells you yeah i must admit i did not read yeah all of the latin
0: <laughs> yeah yeah so this one is definitely the least faithful adaptation but i think that's uh to its benefit because it adds the student as a character because it is just like the professor's partner like academic partner or
2: whatever in the book yeah his friend who he hasn't seen in years or something and like yeah i, I love the dynamic of the student because i also get the sense and this is maybe me reading into it too much but that he Uh, his colleagues don't like him very much it seems like he does not have many friends or supporters Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, so he's just like working with this student who's the only person that will tolerate him (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) so
0: you've mentioned the seance scene but i'm i'm just wondering why the seance would be added because like when i read this it's like at no point did i think this is going to end up in a seance like i'm just curious yeah. what you think that adds to the scene because it is just so out of left field
2: yeah i feel like it's touching on a similar thing to whistle and i'll come to you like bringing up the uh protagonist's disbelief in anything supernatural um, and adding sort of a, a layer of tension for as he starts to get closer to the treasure and like realize that it's cursed of him being like, well, I, I don't believe in that stuff. I'm above it. I, we just proved that that's, uh, that's yeah. all boulder dash. Uh, this is a he...
1: classic <laughs> example of that sort of scene too. the, the yeah. kind of uh, fore, foreshadowing that a skeptics, you know, skepticism is about to be tested. The, the, yeah. the sort of like seance that they prove is fake. Down to, like, slapping the guy's back, and the whistle pops out of his mouth. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty <laughs> cool. Yeah, yeah, love that. Uh, as recently as uh, Kenneth Branagh's um, Haunting in Venice, or whatever it's oh, called. Oh, fuck, I gotta see uh, that still. They, they, there's, uh, you know, he uh, he, he disproves uh, a medium during a seance, but then, you know, <laughs> is, is forced to ask whether or not, you know, the supernatural is, 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 is realer than he, you know, previously thought. Yeah.
0: So Zach you mentioned you, you love how the cosmic horror comes into play in this and this is another one where nothing is ever too overt but like everything from like the stained glass windows to like the bottom of the crypt when they're underground just everything feels like it could be a trap or is haunted. I mean how, yes. how would you describe its style of horror because it, it has a few different portions where it's
2: like things could go wrong and it's just kind of keeps you on your toes yeah it gets surprisingly dreamy and quick flashes as it gets spookier And like that reference to the god of seven eyes and the weird like uh, cross object that's in there like it all hints at something else that's definitely not Christianity or whatever the abbot was involved when it's like some fully other thing well he was supposed to be like a bad abbot right yeah yeah he was an alchemist so like an evil alchemist who was trying to make gold and made a deal with the devil so he could make gold but it's also do they say devil or is it just like evil. I feel like it's more ambiguous. Maybe I'm making that up. i
1: think they're kind of vague about it. Yeah. Right.
2: Like Wikipedia said devil, but eh, take out the d it's evil, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um but yeah, from there like the the manifestation of the curse also feels like a kind of cosmic horror to me. Like this this like non-sludge entity that he like briefly sees fall out of the hole um and that like haunts his room at night and is like kind of seeping under yeah. the door.
1: Yeah. The goop under the door is so creepy. It's so creepy. Very, very visceral.
2: And again, very effective use of just, like, seeing a a dude so scared that it kind of creeps you out a little bit. Like, he is very, very shook up.
1: I think he's a slimy hand, too, for a second. You know, I actually haven't really read any lovecraft or anything i've seen the stewart gordon adaptations i've seen his masters of horror episodes the lovecraft adaptation i've seen bagon i think is sort of a riff on some some lovecraft stuff i like the 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 sort of, of the, the the way the horror is sort of represented here i like the kind of druidic looking guy um in the in the hood sort of at the end or the sort of looks a little like a jawa or something uh <laughs> which i which i like but he's nevertheless pretty menacing as he's sort of like kind of uh, runs up, not to spoil the ending for folks. You should you should definitely check these out. I mean, I don't know. I, I think even like knowing what was coming, I find the ending of these movies all, still pretty effective. Same, on, on multiple, yeah. You know, definitely. rewatches.
2: Absolutely, because they're edited really interestingly, too. Like, the, the way the ending sequence of, of this is edited is very jarring in an intentional and cool way like you know they they leave him alone outside in the wheelchair as they see the doctor coming and then cuts too wide and someone else is fast approaching him from a completely different side and yeah. both he and the audience are like uh.
1: and there's barely time to be like oh yeah, yeah and like, then it just cuts it short of back like
2: to frame. meadow and the creepy orchestral music it's so good
0: ben and i'm glad you mentioned lovecraft because my favorite thing about this one is that it does have that lovecraftian ending where it's like you know you're being followed by black ooze and sludge you know but it's like it made me think about why the story is told the way it is and it's like okay just listen just do me a favor before i tell you what happened because it's like if you tell someone like i'm being pursued by an evil goo from the curse of an alchemist it's like what the hell are you talking about you psycho you know yeah and it's like it just kind of hints at that horror that's like what if it happens and no one believes you, you know? And I think yeah. that is a good general audience uh, type of horror because it does give, like, oh, you know, like, what yeah. if I am, just, what if this does happen, <laughs> but without
2: <Yeah>. being bloody? <laughs> well, and if I recall correctly, too, there's a little bit of ambiguity around what he finds in the hole. Like, he, it initially appears to him as gold, but then when he's telling the student about it to get him to put it back, he the kid, the student's like, did you find any gold? And he's like, no, it was just a bunch of rubbish. And it's there between them, and he sees it as, like, rubbish now, but the student POV is that it's clearly gold. So I feel like that's a really interesting, just, like, quick visual foil of, like, what is working on whom and, like, what is actually real in that moment. I did
0: like how they kind of brushed over it, too.
2: yeah. And, like, you see the kid go in the hole or come out of the hole, but did he actually put it back? Or did he keep the gold? Mm -hmm. And that's why, you know? Like, there's little... Yeah, because he just says, like, he was an
0: alchemist. Of course it didn't work. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, I think it does beg the question of, like, what if the greatest horror is just something that can't really be described? You know, like, Lovecraft had the idea that the greatest horror is just like this color that you can't describe like no words will ever be able to describe it but if you see it you go mad i mean (laughs) i love uh, that idea (laughs)
2: yeah and such a specifically literary type of horror idea like you literally can't i literally couldn't even describe to you how insane this is because you would lose your mind
0: (laughs) yeah and that is again that's another thing that We shit on modern horror a lot, but having everything just be so, you know, HD, 4K, like you're seeing everything in perfect detail, nothing left to the imagination. Like, I don't think that's a plus for horror in most things. Even, you know, like Texas Chainsaw, we bring that up all the time. Like, there's no blood when he hangs her on the hook. It's like, you you fill it in, and that's when things get scary.
2: Right. There's also no, like, psychological attempt to explain... Why yeah. the Texas Chainsaw massacre yeah. family is the way it is? Yeah. Like, oh well, they're there's that no, way because they no they had really rough childhoods. Yeah. It's like no, I like the well. What? The remakes <laughs> are very
1: much like that, right? There's, exactly, and they're the, yeah, the it's prequel,
2: right? The... And again,
0: both of these stories do kind of have a form of horror where it's like, well, you know, if you just put it back, it'll be fine. um whistle will come, do you, you know? In the story, the Colonel throws the whistle into the sea, and you know, it's like he's not being chased by the ghosts anymore, but he's still
1: broken just wanted to, and they even say like for the colonel's best guess was like the worst this ghost could do it was just scary <laughs> really bad was, yeah and then that was the whole point which is also kind of like a funny idea mm-hmm. yeah but also a terrifying idea a ghost that's just there to fuck with you you know <laughs> yeah. which i kind of believe in you know I, I, yeah if there are, if they do exist which by the way what's your take on ghosts you guys think they exist
2: i'm gonna say yes exactly. i feel like yeah right i, I want to believe
1: <laughs> why not
0: i don't know I, yeah. I go both ways i've certainly had my suspicions uh, <laughs> there have been days it's like what was that but <laughs> i don't know it's like well, what's the line from the from the whistle I'll come to you what, what's the definition of a ghost it's <laughs>
1: <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> so yeah such a good bit yeah and thinking you're being really like astute while you're just sort of going like is is always a great bit 100% of the time I um that if I have a complaint about, um, Abby compared to, uh, uh, Whistle and I'll come to you. It's always funnier to see incompetent, um, academics and sort of characters in general than it is to see for, for me at least than it is to see guys who are competently like solving the puzzles and stuff. <laughs> now there's now, obviously this is a good example of that, you know, and there's a time and a place for both, but given, given the choice between the two, I'll always take a guy who's like, uh, <laughs> you know, like
2: around. But yeah, it seems like both of the adaptations take the endings or uh, leave our characters in a place where it's like more heavily implied that they are dead or about to be dead or like fully ruined forever. Whereas both the short stories end pretty cleanly, like, and they were okay except they were freaked out. Yeah. Or I don't even think there's a reference to how he is much at the end of the story of Treasure Abbott Thomas, right? It's just like, and then they put all the treasure back and that was it. I think it ends in Latin also, and I was like, oh, come on. <laughs> Going back to Lovecraft for a second, I was really into him growing up, and uh, then I realized that he was, unfortunately, very racist. Super unfortunate. Famously, yes, Famously yeah. Famously really bad racist. I, like, I don't know how I uh, glanced over the cat name as a teenager. I was like, oh, that's probably just a, qu- a quirk. <laughs> uh, and no, he was just like a... Uh, viciously racist sad man who was afraid of everyone
1: i would like to read more horror fiction in general i mean i read a lot of Poe growing up as i think most you know people do I yeah mean, maybe most people don't i don't know <laughs> anyone moderately spooky at least probably does
0: okay i reread the last paragraph of the story and this is interesting because uh, it ends with the student talking to the professor and he's he's talking about his journey taking the treasure back and he says you know one thing i did notice in the carving on the wellhead which i think must have escaped you it was a horrid grotesque shape perhaps more like a toad than anything else and there was a label by it inscribed with the two words depositum custodi and that is what translates to keep that which is committed to thee so i'm wondering if that's supposed to be saying like he's being haunted only in his head because um, he saw this thing on the tombstone or whatever was inside over the treasure but I don't speak Latin. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. It's like, okay, cool. Thanks for the story, I guess. <laughs> I don't
0: know. That one didn't do a me. I really liked the it Lost really story. That one was good, but I haven't I read, read that one. Yeah. Brett grabbed this book yeah.
2: and I immediately stole it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I was surprised by how much I didn't like it because I'm usually down for a good Gothic ghost story and it was just dry as dirt
0: yeah yeah it's a bummer <laughs> well we <laughs> probably get wrapping this episode up either if you have any final thoughts on whistle and i'll come to you or the treasure of abbott thomas
2: i don't think i do okay i think we cover
1: great ground this is awesome
2: it's
0: good okay yeah
1: this is fun yeah great to meet you zach um great well, meeting I w- you too. i would just say I would just say folks, you know, these are these are really all on YouTube. As are most of I mean, I think you can find just about every episode that was aired of any of these kind of BBC horror series. Uh, Dead of Night is the one where they deleted some of them. They just no longer exist, but you can see a handful of those. There's the series Beast where they're all kind of like animal related. I watched a bunch of those. Yes. That was great. They're so um, good.
2: During dur- Barty's like, Party fucked me up. Yes, I was just about <laughs> to say.
1: There's this one called During Barty's Party where they're being haunted by like rats. And that's another one where it's like ambiguous. I don't know kind of whether the rats are there. And I, I don't know. I love movies where like a DJ so, is a character and you're yeah. like getting sort of like storytelling through kind of the DJ's like patter and stuff. It's great. Yep. You um, never see about yeah, Check these out it's on terrifying. YouTube. <laughs> I think you can also probably buy dvds of a lot of these you know hey support the bbc wherever you live um I yeah know, is the bbc problematic at all i guess bleep that if necessary besides being <laughs> british uh. <laughs> yeah, right besides yeah besides the
2: Actually,
0: you know what let's do a quick pick let's put these two head to head which one are you taking if you only if you have someone over you can only show them one which one are you gonna pick
1: i take whistle and i come to you i mean i really do think it's like pretty singular um the The performances are so great, particularly the central performance, and it has such a such a weird, spooky atmosphere. And it um, the it, it's the sound design during those kind of the, the couple scares you get is so uh, distinct. It's really incredibly and, done. Yeah, um, a lot of kind of like weird, you know, animalistic sounds that really kind of you know almost like turn your stomach. Yeah. The, the thumb sucking is really unique as i mentioned in the piece yeah. his hair kind of looks like larry fine ask i think it's so it, it, it's it's really unique it's one i can return to a lot um and it's kind of a shame that as much as i love the other ones it's kind of a shame there's nothing else i wish omnibus had done more as well you know i wish there were more that kind of were aesthetically similar to that original adaptation i wish they'd remade more well you know like, yeah. it, 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 this it's, it's it's a story that's worth adapting again you know and even kind of like bringing to different time periods and stuff uh, that's not to say that i don't like treasure of Abbot thomas i love treasure of avid thomas uh one of the better of the other uh the, the seventy series for sure top two or three for me i'd say alongside the signalman um and then you know warning to the curious the other one i would rank up near the top but uh zach what about you which would you uh which would you pick
2: yeah i mean uh not to be boring but completely agree um i feel like whistle and will come to use classic uh very straightforward but still surprising uh, yeah every everything you said basically i completely agree with i feel like treasure of abbott thomas is more if you're looking for like a left field but still great pick assuming you haven't been spoiled by uh, me talking
1: through the plot <laughs> <laughs> so far yeah and the sort of it's, like a, mystery format is fun it's, as much it's as a, i said i prefer a bumbling protagonist the puzzle solving and sort of like you know figuring yeah. out what abbott thomas meant with all of these like cryptic notes and stuff that, that's sort right. of fun like it's said, a fun, it's like cold block. Yeah. It's better version of the adaptations of Da Vinci Code. Yeah. It's no Angels and Demons, but it's better than Da Vinci Code. <laughs> yeah. And way better than Inferno. Jesus. <laughs> I, no, I say that as I, Inferno. Sorry, way better than Da Vinci Code. Better than Inferno. Excuse me. <laughs> let me let me change my emphasis there. Let me take take two.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I would agree. Whistle, I'll come to you. Is I think the signalman is my favorite of the whole series. But whistle, I'll come to you. Is probably the one i would show people just that last scene is so unique i mean where else do you get yep. you know the thumb sucking and then just like the friend coming in like what's going on here you know but like it's all yep. done without do they even speak in the last scene like i think he just kind of
1: walks in no no he doesn't say anything yeah, he just no. kind of looks at him yeah there's no, there's no resolution or you know reconciliation of any kind i um i think if i was showing anybody any of them i i called stigma sort of like a black mirror episode almost derisively earlier but i think stigma one of the two that's based on an original story is the one i might show anybody just because it's sort of uh it's set in the modern day and they they unearth like an artifact of some kind and then you know i I won't spoil the the nature of like the curse that befalls uh one member of the family but um, i don't think think that's one one that's like pretty pretty visceral it's a good one it's 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 really good i think it's it's worth checking out and it's got kind of a just like a bleaker than bleak ending as well. Yeah. Um. Oh. And it's just got like a good like structure. The 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 premise of it just kind of like you know really pays out.
2: Um, and like we were saying earlier, that both of these directors coming out of directing docs for years for BBC. Yeah.
0: There's some good stuff in these. It's definitely worth your time, and we'll probably wrap it up there. So, Bennett, as always, thanks for joining.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Hey happy to be here glad to be here
0: <laughs> zach thanks for joining and hey if you haven't watched mickey Face yet go it's awesome just go watch it <laughs>
2: <laughs> thanks guys it's a pleasure being here this is a lot of fun
0: and zach you show like every other sunday you're shown yes. like whatever you want
2: right yeah if you are in the uh brooklyn area uh, come to spectacle theater i do blood brunch there every other sunday mystery Meat horror movie 3 p.m Uh, and if you're into kung fu movies alternate sundays are mystery meet kung fu movie at 3 p.m so come on down and then you know in general while you're looking at the spectacle we have a lot of regular programming it's really great so support local theaters
0: (laughs) yeah he 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 read some of the titles from that series there's some good stuff in there so go 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 find it
1: (laughs) yeah yeah, your guys' horror programming is incredible. A lot of, a lot of great stuff uh, around Thanks. Halloween around Christmas. And, yeah, you know, I did a year.
2: ton of the Halloween stuff this year. I like went too hard. <laughs> Uh, uh, I think I'm out of movies. Every every like November, I'm like, I don't have any more movies to program. That's it. I'm done.
0: <laughs> well, thank you for listening. That's all we've got for the Christmas ghost this year. There's some good stuff on Split Tooth right now from other Christmas horror. And we have some non-horror Christmas stuff, too, to keep everyone happy. So, happy holidays from all of us at Split Tooth. Thank you for listening, for reading all year. We'll be back shortly. And um, happy Everything to everyone. (laughs) (laughs) All right. That's all for today.